0: Well, good morning, everybody. Have you ever heard that phrase, whistling in the dark? Have you heard that before? It's uh, kind of a word picture, you know, to describe uh, holding out hope even when the environment doesn't encourage it. You know, it's a happy sound in a pretty scary circumstance, whistling in the dark. Now, speaking of whistling, can you whistle? Let's hear it. Give it to me this morning. <laughs> pretty good. I'm hearing a few cat calls. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But pretty good whistling here. How about this? How can you identify whistles? So let's try this this morning. Let's, uh, warm up your brains a little bit. Here, listen to this and see if you can tell me what this is. Okay. Let's see if you're right. Yes. Beautiful. Okay, let's keep going. How about this one? Okay, let's see what you got. Alright, Referee's whistle, good. All right, how about this one? Hey, <laughs> okay. you're pretty confident on that one, I can see. All right, a couple more here. Let's see about this one. It's really fun watching all of you mimic that right now. Yep, that's a slide whistle. All right, how about this one? What do you think that is? Okay, take a look. It's a dog whistle, sort of. All right, pretty good. Pretty good. I think Paul was whistling when he wrote the opening words of 1 Thessalonians. If you have a Bible, let's uh, read the first chapter there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, which is on page 956 in those brown Bibles in front of you, if you want to follow along. See if you can hear as he writes these words, a whistle. 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, whistling in the dark. Here. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, he's chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. I don't know if you caught a whistle in there, but I couldn't help, as I listened to the words, I I swear his lips pursed. Which is a little strange, because he's very quick in this first chapter to point out the dark. The dark. By which I think he reminds us, our world without the light of Christ can grow kind of dark. Maybe you heard it in verse 6. He said, You welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering. Phlipsis is his word. Persecution or or trouble. Oppressing together. These people said yes to Jesus and the pressure was on. That doesn't sound very fun. You see... Thessalonica was one of the towns in Macedonia. It's it's in kind of the north part of modern-day Greece. Paul had visited there with Silas and Timothy in his second missionary journey in Acts 16. And, of course, they came in and they shared about Jesus, and a new church began to form in that place. That ancient port city was founded about 300 years before Paul. A fellow named Cassander named it after his wife. How romantic Guys you better pick up your game before th- uh, Valentine's Day. Thessalonike was the daughter of Philip II. He was half sister of Alexander the Great. You might remember Alexander conquered, you know, the Mediterranean world. And yet even with all of that, the Romans came in at some point and took over the city. There was a brief period where a fellow named Andriscus tried to overthrow the Romans and set up his own kingdom again as the monarch there. He did it for about a minute and the Romans came in and it failed. So Paul, when he walked into town, Thessalonica was a free Roman city, but it took any inkling about rebelling rebelling against the king, against Rome, very seriously. So when Paul walks in and for a few weeks starts telling everybody about this other king named Jesus, people got nervous. We've seen this happen before. Is this Andronicus? Some Jews in the city, Luke says, rounded up some bad characters. They formed a mob, and they began shouting to the city officials that Paul was defying Caesar. Looked like it was going to get violent. So the believers sent Paul and Silas away under cover of night. They were wanted men who left town in the dark. Do you suppose they were whistling as they left? Maybe, Maybe they were whistling something like this. See if you recognize this. Just whistle while you I can see Paul doing that, right? Yeah, probably not. But the church he started here knew how to whistle in the dark. He said, "You welcome the message of Jesus in the midst of severe suffering, pressure from people, alienating them because of their faith people in the market telling them to get out friends telling them to get out family telling them to get out he told them you welcome the message of Jesus and all of that with the joy given by the holy spirit they had a sense of joy that you can't explain by their circumstances no one enjoys getting kicked out of their bowling league or their bridge club no they had joy that could only come from the holy spirit they whistled in the dark is that something that we are good at doing. Kind of dark around here these days. You may not have heard this, but 2024 is a presidential election year. Division, polarity, America's firing rockets into Yemen and Iraq and Syria. Chicago ranked number one of all the cities in the US, number one for bed bugs. Champagne ranked number 11. Kind of dark around here. Just ask Washington Post writer Karen Heller, her December 23rd article, two days before Christmas, was entitled, Fun is Dead. That didn't sound too good. Sometimes around uh, 2004, she guesses, Americans forgot to have fun. Instead, she says, fun became work. Fun now is exhausting, scheduled, pigeonholed, hyped, forced, and performative, she said. Something appearing as fun is recorded on her phone and unleashed on all kinds of social media platforms, and everybody posts, look what fun I'm having, which she says, of course, means it's nothing of the sort. Instead, she talks about the multiple fun resources available to us these days, podcasts on happiness, a global study on joy, workshops talking about fun interventions, fun coaches, apps that track happiness. She says if all of that is needed, fun is in serious trouble. Consider what we've done to fun. She says, the the holiday season is an extended exercise in excess and overspending. People feel holiday fatigue. How many of you felt holiday fatigue in December? She said, weddings have morphed into multi-stage stress extravaganzas. Destination proposals, destination bachelor and bachelorette blowouts, destination uh, wedding services in remote barns, she says when weddings involve this much travel and custom t-shirts and porta-potties they've become many things but fun is not one of them or what could be more fun in life than having a baby except now you have to read every app and every website about what you have to do to be a parent and all these things and events that didn't ex- even exist decades ago are now must-haves baby moons Gender reveal parties, baby showers that are more over-the-top than the weddings themselves. And something I even learned here recently, something called a push present. Don't ask what that is. I don't even know. Retirement used to be fun. But now you need to have a plan and a mission and a coach and a a packed, uh, color-coded grid of daily activities. How many of you who are retired say, I'm busier now than when I was working? Vacations are fun, but now so overscheduled, people return home exhausted and they need rest. Karen writes, the beach is no longer a day at one. Now, she says, you feel the need to plant a chair at sunrise, and then later you transport 220 pounds of stuff in a Buick-sized beach wagon, and still most people stare at their phones instead of the water. And when we do have time for fun, what do we do in our leisure time? Well, we watch TV shows about three hours a day. Instead of connecting with other people or in nature or trying something new or spontaneous or different, we settle to make people think we're having fun rather than having fun. Who's got the energy to whistle with all of that going on? It can be dark in these February days. And even looking ahead sometimes doesn't seem all that much brighter. In fact, Paul's last words in chapter 1 are the coming wrath. Well, that's bleak. One day God is going to pour out His judgment on all that is sick and broken in creation. That doesn't seem like fun. It seems dark. What are we to do when everything seems dark? Well, Paul prescribes, I think, the whistle by which he reminds us that our response to dreary days is to hope our way through them. How did those new believers in a hostile city follow Jesus with joy? Well, Paul points out their tune, verse 6. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Mimiti, you became mimics. Now, you might hear that word, and you might think poorly of it. You know, a mimic is somebody who lacks creativity. It's somebody who's not genuine, not authentic. They're just mimicking behavior, you know? And they're really annoying when the mimic is your little sister in the backseat of the car who's doing everything you're doing and saying everything you're saying just to frustrate you to death on a long road trip. Not that that ever happened to me. My sister was perfectly sweet and never had any inclination to do that, but, but other people have heard, had that experience, right? Mimicry seems eh. but imitating a person who teaches their faith with their life as well as their words, that is worth imitating. Think about the old adage, you know, if you want to be rich, get to know somebody who's rich and Find out what they do, do what they do. Have you heard that? If you want to be fit, find somebody who's fit and do what they do. If you want to whistle with hope when the world has gone dark, well, find the world's best whistler and whistle along. You might pick the current world champion whistler, Jay Winston from New Jersey. He competed in the Masters of Musical Whistling International Competition last September in Hollywood, California. And yes, that's a real thing. Sixty whistlers from 11 different countries got together and they whistled uh, between two and five minutes of a classical country, blues, pop, jazz, or international music before some very serious judges. They were ranked. On things like rhythmic and note accuracy, breath support, expressiveness, emotional import, stage presence and appearance, but Jay was the champion. Here, have a look. Not too bad. Not too bad. But if I had to pick one person to mimic whistling in the dark, I believe I'd choose Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He whistled in the dark. Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, he says, or in fact, mimic him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We whistle when we imitate Jesus and do what he did day after day, even in dark days. How else can we whistle when the days seem dark? Paul said, these Thessalonians became a model To all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, verse 7, a model, a a tupon is his word, not a coupon, a tupon. Normally, this was a no-no word in the Bible. It meant an idol. It meant a, a fake God statue. But Paul looks at the church and says, you're like an image of Jesus in the world. No other church heard those words from Paul, only these beleaguered Thessalonians shuffling through their own dark days, and yet instead of hiding in their faith, they whistled all the louder. He says in verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God's become known everywhere. News of their lives in Jesus blasted out in all directions. It resounded to the surrounding areas, maybe a little like the sound of this whistle a hyper whistle the world's loudest ever recorded whistle 142 decibels it could be heard two miles away it could be heard underwater it was designed at the request of flight launch crews on u.s aircraft carriers who wanted to be able to hear a whistle over the sound of idling jets that are somewhere around 125 decibels. Two miles away. Listen, kids, it's 15% off on the website right now, and I think your parents want you to have this. Does your faith in God in dark times, does it shout decibels out in all directions? If you begin to feel some, some pressure for your faith work or school, your neighborhood, your family. Oh, you're one of those, huh? Are you tempted to shrink back and hide in your faith or just genuinely whistle while the world wails around you? Now, if whistling seems tough for you these days, maybe we need to rehearse the why. The why. Paul, I think, reminds us that our reason for hope and despair is how God sees us. The creator of the universe, the king of life, looks upon his church and he says, you are family. Verse 4, Paul says to the Thessalonians, for we know, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, even if everyone else ostracizes you, even if your friends betray you, even if your family disowns you, even if people in the streets turn their noses up because you follow the way of Jesus and you go to church. Even then, here with God, you are brother, you are sister, you are in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who Hebrews says is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. Even if your father or mother leaves, even if your spouse cheats and disappears, even if your kids break your heart and run off to the wild country, even if death steals those you love or those you hoped to love, Even if you feel desperately alone, here with God, you are brother, you are sister, you belong. Can that get you whistling even in dark times? If not, realize how God looks upon us. He says, you are loved, verse 4, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, the knower of all things, the one who knows all of our secrets and all of our dark places. He loves you. He has a sincere fondness for you. As Michael Martin writes, the verb here implies an established state of being, not a momentary love from God. You are and will continue to be the object of God's deepest affection. You are the apple of His eye. Grace and peace to you, Thessalonians, Paul writes. Grace and peace to you as well, Southside. God's undeserved favor lavished on you. God's plan for wholesome life made real in you, if this dark world has tripped you up this week, if people have ripped out your heart, no matter what broken relationship or broken situation, remember God loves you, welcomes you, cares about you. Can that get you whistling again? And if you're still not convinced to hold out hope in the darkness you feel, well, then remember you are chosen. Verse 4, for you know, for we know, brothers and sisters, love by God that he has chosen you. He has selected this church family with you in it. His gospel has exploded among us in power. The spirit of life dwells within us. And we have confidence and assurance in him. This is who we are. We are a family, loved and chosen. You belong. You have a future. You have a constant companion. This is who you are. So, why don't you turn next to, to so somebody sitting next to you and just tell them God is crazy about you? Go ahead. Tell them God says you belong. Let them know. Tell them the Cardinals will win the World Series this year. Go ahead. See, I have hope even when last season was really dark. You are precious to God, fearfully and wonderfully made. With that in mind, can you whistle a tune of hope even when the world seems dark, even when the wheels fall off? even when you have no idea how you're going to make it through, can this why wet your whistle? I guess what I'm saying is your life matters. Your life matters. You can hope on the darkest day. You can whistle like a crazy person on the darkest night because your life matters. God says you matter. So this week, I hope you will endure with hope. Whistle in the dark. When you find that your lips are quivering because of some bad news, just purse them and belt out a whistle. Hope when there's nothing good to hope for. Work when only your faith says it's a good idea. Labor when love is the only reason why. Whistle when you can't see your way. Whistle, Paul says, verse 10, while we wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Whistle while he saves us from all darkness. Do you think you could try that this week? Whistle even in the dark because your song, your life matters. Father, as we look around the world today and as we think about our own lives, it's uh, easy to point out darkness and the challenges, the trouble, the pressure, the stress. But Lord, turn our eyes to the hope that we have in Jesus, who will return, who will set everything right, who through your spirit, Almighty God, will breathe new creation life into us. Help us to be a people who enjoy that new creation life, maybe even with a whistle, as we're reminded that, um, well, your grace and your peace is ours in Jesus. Thank you for this. We pray in the name of Jesus and through your spirit. Amen.